Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. strange familiars, true stories of the paranormal, cryptids, hauntings, the occult, mythology, UFOs, folklore, weird and forgotten history. Please make sure to like and subscribe to Strange Familiars on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, or wherever you are listening. Please share the Strange Familiars page and episodes on Facebook and other social media. If you have experienced something strange, or if you know a story you would like us to cover, email strangefamiliarspodcast at gmail.com or find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars. And of course, strangefamiliars.com. Welcome to Strange Familiars. If you like what we do and you want to help us continue to make Strange Familiars, please consider becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. You can check out the different reward levels there. Every patron at $3 a month or higher gets bonus content, including full patron-only shows. We try to do at least one patron show every month. But there are also other reward levels for things like t-shirts, stickers, and more. As always, we want to thank our current patrons for your support. Thanks so much, guys. 
It means the world to us. And you can go to patreon.com slash strangefamiliars if you want to become a patron too. Thank you. So this week, a great influence of mine, a friend and a personal hero, died. His name was Tom Rapp. And Tom's probably best known for his uh, 60s experimental psychedelic folk group, Pearls Before Swine, and his solo career throughout the 70s. And then he disappeared from public life, and I remember there was a lot of speculation as to what happened to Tom in folk music publications in, in the 80s. No one really knew, didn't have the internet to track him down. There was one rumor that he had become a gravedigger in France, I remember. But what happened is Tom had gone back to college and he became a lawyer, and not just any kind of lawyer. He was a lawyer that fought for the little guy and uh, really did some great work. He was one of my biggest influences when I started playing music. There wouldn't be a stone breath without Tom Rapp and Pearls Before Swine. I'm going to try to hold it together here. I had a song on a tribute to Pearls Before Swine in the 1990s, a tribute record. I was at a festival and Tom walked up to me and told me he liked my version of his song. And that's how I met the man. I was stunned and shocked and happy. I ended up staying with Tom often when Stonebreath would tour. He would always have us at his house. He invited us over quite often. Pridwin and I became his backup band. Tom played several reunion concerts in the in the late 90s and early 2000s, and I'm proud to say I, I played or sang with him at more than a few of those. I think, I think most of them. Tom always made sure Predwin and I were taken care of. I'm pretty sure he gave us the bulk of the performance money on more than one occasion. I can't say for sure. Somewhere there's a TV clip of Predwin and I playing music with Tom. A news crew had come to his house to do a story. I have it on videotape somewhere, but uh, I'll have to get that transferred to digital. Tom Rapp was kind and generous and funny and... One of the most genuine human beings I've ever had the honor of knowing. I'm really going to miss him. I wish we had the rights to play some of Tom's music. I'm sure Tom would have said, just go ahead and use it. But there are other record companies and publishers involved. Our shows would get flagged and etc. It's a very complicated process, which is the reason I only ever use my music in the podcast. But do go check out some of Tom's music if you're not familiar with it. He often brought me to tears when he played live. His songs were so great and so touching. And now I expect it's going to be a long, long time before I can listen to his songs without tears again. I know this isn't a music podcast, but Tom Rapp, you will be missed and you are loved.
So this show's been a long time coming. We've been talking about this flannel man entity for some time. Quite a few people have contacted us with stories. Not everyone wants to come on the show. Some others I've just had a hard time scheduling. But I expect we'll find more folks who've seen this flannel man after the show airs. So I doubt it's going to be our last show on the big bearded fellow, whatever he is. If you listened to episode 21, The Astral Sasquatch, Dave was our first guest to talk about Flannel Man. I think he heard James and I talking about Flannel Man as regards Allison's experience. Tonight I'm talking with three Flannel Man witnesses, Dovey, Vanessa, and we'll finally get Allison's story. Each of their stories differs, but each of them also share a lot in common. Who or what Flannel Man is, we don't know. He's described as a big man, often bearded wearing blue pants or jeans, sometimes with red glowing eyes, but always in a red flannel shirt, usually plaid or checkered. Why different people are seeing this same man and what his purpose or desires are is a mystery. We're talking with Dovey, and she had an encounter with the entity we are calling Flannel Man, for lack of any other name. And this happened when you were a child, right? Um, That's correct. I was, oh my gosh, in the first or second grade, because I remember the house we lived in, and uh, we lived there when I was in the first, second, and part of grade. So probably six or seven years old. I think about seven. And just in general, what part of the country was this? Um, we were living in Southern California at the time, small community, a small town in a where there was a lot of, well, it was pretty, several years ago, and we had a lot of citrus orchards, um, oranges, apples, or not oranges, apples, um, a lot of lemon trees, oranges around the town, and it was a really small town in Southern California. And like I said, I was about seven years old at the time. I had five siblings. And when this occurred, I'm trying to give you sort of a diagram of the home we lived in. The front door, when you first walked in the front door, you walked into the living room. And then when you walked through the living room, then to the right would be the hallway. And you turn, you would round the corner to the hallway. And if you walked down the hallway, you would run into my bedroom. Um, but before you got to my room, on to the left would be my brother's room. But if you go straight, you would walk right into my bedroom down the hallway. And I remember waking up, I don't know, it was late at night. Um, and I woke up and I sat up in bed. And just as I sat up, I saw an entity, something uh, which looked like a, a man wearing this flannel shirt round the corner to the hallway and walked down the hallway. And it, it stopped right at my door. My bedroom door was open. And it stopped at my bedroom door and just stood there looking at me. And it looked like a man. Like I said, I was pretty young at the time, and I didn't remember all the little details. But I remember it had a flannel shirt, because my dad used to wear those a lot. He worked in the oil fields. 
and at that time he he wore those type of shirts and at first it kind of I I was like you know, what is this and I, I remember I tried to scream but I don't think anything came out because I didn't hear it I didn't hear anything but I was I opened my mouth and tried to scream and this thing that looked like a man it had these red glowing eyes and I and then it just turned around walked back down the hallway around the corner and it left and I thought what the heck and the next morning I remember telling my parents and stuff about this of course nobody believes me but later in later in life later years during the time I was meeting with my siblings were talking and my brother and I I mentioned it my brother said he remembered something walking by his room that night I never knew that I never thought to ask him I never thought to mention it to him but um but yeah he said he remembered something walking by he thought it was our dad so he never thought to say anything about it anyway yeah I brought that up with him about something walking down the hall just standing there at the door turning around and walking back it was really weird I'm assuming because you were trying to scream, you didn't get a particularly good feeling from this fella. No, because I, I, the red glowing eyes, I mean, you know, it's like, that's not normal. That's not, and um, yeah, and I, I mean, it didn't come in the room, thank goodness, you know, but I'm, it, I knew right away that it wasn't meant to be in the house because it had those red glowing eyes. And it just stood there for a minute glaring at me. And I thought, oh my God, you know, and so I tried to scream and, um, yeah, and then it just turned around and walked back down the hallway, turned the corner, and I didn't hear the front door open or close, and I don't even remember if it was locked. I mean, I wouldn't have thought about that back then. And oftentimes we left our doors unlocked. I mean, this was back in mid-60s. It was a small community, and I don't think we even thought to lock the front door, but that doesn't mean it wasn't. Just the fact that it had the glowing eyes and was standing there looking at me, glaring at me, yeah, I didn't know what it was going to do. It wasn't meant to be there. I knew that. Can you remember any details about the face, a beard or anything like that? Or, or was it pretty much in shadow? Um, it, I remember it looked dark. At least that's what I, I think it was. You know, looking back, I'm, I'm thinking it was, I don't remember if it was translucent or anything like that. I just remember it, you know, looked like it had pants on. I don't remember the color, but I mean, you know, the shirt, pants. I just remember thinking it looked like a man, but it had those, you know, red glowing eyes. And for years I thought, what the heck, you know, (laughs) it's not like I've seen things in my life all the time or, or anything like that, like someone with a mental illness that might see things or hear things that aren't there. That's not been my life, but that was a huge experience that I have not a clue, you know, and to me, you know, if it's something that's not meant to be there, I'm, I don't think it was a, I don't think it was an angel. Right. Yeah. Um, but, you know, whether it meant to do me harm, I, I can't say it didn't do me any harm, but I don't think it was a good spirit. I I really think that it was a bad spirit. I don't, you know, I think anything like that to me is evil. It's not meant for good. Why it was there, I don't know. You know, had I not been awake at that time, I've often thought what might it have done. I don't know. 
Certainly it wasn't there yeah. to comfort you, you know, I mean, that's, that's not the kind right. of presence that's comforting to, to, well, to anyone, much less a child. Right. Yeah. And it's like, and then I'm like, why did it come in the house? Why did it stand there at my door? You know, you think about those things, or at least I did. It's like, why me? <laughs> you know, why didn't it go to my brother's room or my parents' room? I guess maybe because my door happened to be open and it was just straight down the hallway. That's the only thing I can think of. Because if you walk straight down the hallway, you would be right at my door and my door happened to be open. And so there it was. But yeah, had I not been awake when that occurred, I don't know, you know, what it had come in, what it has tried to do me harm. I don't know. But yeah, I, it wasn't meant to comfort me by, by any means, for sure. You ne never saw anything like that again, then? That was just a one time it happened? Yeah, just the one time. Yeah. And had you um, any inclination that other people were seeing this similar things or were things similar to this? Not a clue. <laughs> no. Had you heard us talk about it on Strange Familiars or did you just see me comment about it? I know you commented on the Sasquatch Chronicles blog. That's how we connected. Where did you first hear about it? Um, well, I heard about it with you uh, when you talked about it on um, Sasquatch Chronicles. Um, and when I heard that, I was like, are you kidding? <laughs> I mean, I, I thought, really? I'll tell you, that is the one thing that I so appreciate what I'm hearing now, you know, is people are coming forward talking about things, which I'm so grateful for because, you know, that's something that I normally, I didn't share with you. I shared with my husband about it. I might have shared with another person in my life at one time and then my brother, but other than that, it's not something that I talked about because People think, oh, you're weird, you're crazy, you don't know what you're talking about, maybe it was a bad dream. But I'm like, no, I swear, I saw this come to my room, stand there at my door and, you know, give, you know, there, there's this description. But I, until I heard you talk about it, I had not a clue that anybody else had ever seen this before. I thought I was maybe the only one, but then at the same time, I'm thinking, well, I can't be the only one, but then that's the way you feel. Yeah, and we really struck a nerve with this. I've been contacted by a number of people that are just like, yeah, I've seen this. I've seen this. It's been pretty amazing how just the number of people that have come forward and said, yeah, I've I've experienced this because it's a it's a very specific thing. This this, you know, sort of lumberjack guy or flannel man or or, or whatever people want to call it. And uh, uh -huh. the one thing for sure everyone seems to agree on is the plaid shirt. That seems to be 100% some of the other details, you know, some people said beard, no beard. I've heard the red glowing eyes before, but not every time. So, you know, some of the other details change, but that plaid shirt stays the same. That seems to be the, the one feature that, that people seem to agree on. Yeah, and I, I don't recall if it had a beard or, but I, you know, because to me, there were so many similarities, like, you know, to my dad and, because I originally I thought, what? you know, but it just the way it walked was sort of methodical, you know, like it just had a mission like a robot would do, you know, like it just had, <clears throat> I don't know how to describe it, but like it was on a mission. Like it just walked to my room, stood there and looked at me and then it turned around and walked the other way and then turned the corner. And I mean, 
But to hear so many other people have also seen it, I'm really intrigued because I'd like to hear what their experiences, because I haven't heard, you know, just to hear what their experiences were like. But to me, any type of entity that comes into your home or that, you know, any type of presence to me is not meant there to comfort people. But at the same time, why are they there? Yeah. What are they want? (laughs) Dave, who we had on already, he actually got out of bed. He was a child. He got out of bed, crawled up, and touched the boots, he said. He said he could smell the leather on the boots. Oh, wow. He actually had physical contact with whatever it is. So do you remember any sounds, like breathing, or did it make any sounds, or could you hear it walk at all, or was it just pretty quiet? Yeah, I don't remember hearing it walk. I was trying to remember. I don't remember hearing the front door like open or close. I just remember it turning the corner and walking to my room and standing there. But I don't remember any smell, um, you know, or any other, you know, like I said, I was, I was a small, I just remember looking at it going, you know, freaking out, like, what are you doing in this house, you know? And um, it took me a couple of seconds because like I said, initially I thought kind of looked like my dad round in the corner. But at the same time, I knew they had went to bed, but I thought, well, maybe he got up or something. But when he got to the door, and I saw those eyes and stuff. I knew it wasn't my dad. Sure. And like I said, he dressed similar to my dad. And that's why at first I thought maybe it was him. And he seemed like about the same size. And my dad worked in the oil field. And flannel shirts were kind of, I don't know if they're so popular, but they were back then. And seemed like wore those quite often. So that's why at first it kind of didn't startle me until I got to the door and I saw those eyes. And I was like, okay, this person isn't supposed to be here. I thought it was a person at first until I saw those eyes and then I knew it wasn't an actual physical being. Yeah. People's eyes don't tend to glow red. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't remember hearing it making a noise when it walked and things like that. I, I don't recall that, but I was quite surprised when my brother later told me he remembered something walking by his bedroom door. So I thought, well, gosh, I wish I would have said something to him many years prior to that because I thought maybe maybe I was just having a bad nightmare or something. But I could have swore, you know, it's like one of those things. No, you you know, you think, oh, maybe I was dreaming, but no, you weren't. You know, I, I'm wondering if anybody's ever been hurt by it or anything like that. I, well, I don't know. Like I said, uh, hopefully I'll get my wife to tell hers for this for this same episode so we can pair up the stories. She woke up screaming, though. She didn't get a very good feeling from this thing either. She was not real happy. Yeah. Like I said, just the, having the presence of some type of weird thing in your home doesn't give you comfort. But it turned around and, and left. So, yeah, it's kind of like, what do you want? Yeah. Why are you here? Well, as far as that goes, <laughs> at least it didn't it didn't do anything more sinister than than it did. Yeah, intimidating you or or whatever the whatever its goal was. Again, like I said, I don't think it was to comfort you. Uh, that's not the way you yeah. comfort anyone. Yeah, especially a child. Well, an adult either, but it's children, you know. And I'm wondering, is it primarily children, or you know, is it a fair number of adults as well? Is it female mostly, or is it? Does it matter? I, you know, those are some questions I'm, I would think I'm kind of curious about. of the people that have contacted me so far. And I'm going to say it's, it's getting close to probably 10 now. I'd say it's about 50, 50 male and female 
a little, uh-huh. probably a little weighted heavier on the female uh, than the male. And it's about 50-50 adult and child uh, encounters, too. Oh, okay. okay. So it doesn't seem to matter. <laughs> yeah, it seems people uh, are seeing it across the board, you know, no, no matter of gender or age, it seems like. so. But And, and hopefully okay. we'll, I'll hear some more from people after this. Yeah, and was it is it a specific region? Because like I said, I was living in Southern California as a child. That's where I was born and raised. You know, I moved to a different different area as a uh, late teens. But um, you know, that's where I was at the time it occurred. I'm kind of you know, but it may not even you know matter the region either. No, um, it doesn't seem to because I've got New York, <laughs> Ohio, Pennsylvania, oh, wow. California. So it's it's all over the place. So okay. So it makes its round. It apparently so, <laughs> yes. Ah, that's really weird. Okay, that's strange. But yeah, I mean, at least I, I, I know I have some comfort that I'm not the only one. <laughs> you right. know, at the same time, I feel bad that anybody else had the experience because I know what my experience was like, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't great. I mean, it was very frightening, very frightening. You know, and um, that's one of the things I think I mentioned to you. You know, I had this thing about having my bedroom door open. I always want it closed. And I went through that for years, and I always thought, you know, because my husband likes to keep the door open. I'm like, no, I want it closed. And then it dawned on me why I want my bedroom door closed. I have this thing about leaving my bedroom door open because I'm afraid something may, you know, not that this kid walked through a door, I suppose. I don't know. It didn't at the time I saw it. But, you know, anything like that could, you know, just go through walls or doors. But, you know, again, I had my bedroom door open, so I like the bedroom door closed. I just don't want to wake up and have something at my door. <laughs> no, I understand. I've had, I don't know, maybe things with the gray aliens. I, I say maybe because uh, it's hard. They were dreams, but not dreams. It's very, very difficult to explain this to people. That And I, I was never abducted in the sense that I never left my bed. But I did have these uh-huh. very strange experience with, with what people would term gray aliens. And I always tell my kids, wake me up from across the room because I've woken up punching the air before, woken up from encounters with these things. I never want to wow. hit my kids, so I always warn them. I always say, just wake me up from across the room. Don't don't come up to me and and shake me or anything. Because uh, I, yeah. I I wouldn't, you know, I'd, I would feel awful if I ever, you know, struck out at them or something. Well, thank yeah. you so much for telling your story. I will keep in touch mm-hmm. and, and we'll let you know if we, we get any more people who contact us about this. Yeah, I, I'm very curious about what others also have to say and, and what their experience was like as well. And like I said, you know, for me, leaving my bedroom door open, that's when, you know, it's like, I want my bedroom door closed and, you know, certain things. And I, I still sometimes am just, you know, leery and, and I'm wondering what their experience is, how it's affected them too later you know, later on as well. So yeah, this, anyway, well, thank you. This stuff stays with you. It really does. It's so yeah. weird. It, it'll, it'll stay with you forever. Yeah. Thank you for putting it out there and giving people opportunity to share about their encounters as well. Oh yeah. And thank you once again. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye. We're talking with Vanessa, and I hope this isn't embarrassing, Vanessa, but I have to say that Vanessa is a listener, Strange Familiars, and she often provides really, really thoughtful 
uh, feedback and uh, commentary, which which I really enjoy. So I want to thank you for that before we even get get into the the interview here. I'm starting off blushing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's nice to get the feedback, and you look at things often in ways that I don't, although I'm still not ready to accept the giant sloth as Sasquatch theory. Yeah, honestly, I'm moving away from that now. <laughs> as much as I would love that to be the case. <laughs> They're so cute. But it could be. I mean, you know, who, who, who's to say yeah, until, until we get one? But tonight we're talking about Flannel Man, and the the first question I have is, did you know that other people were seeing this whatever it is before you heard us talk about it on Strange Familiars? No. Okay, so that that seems to be the case. And I, Allison just a few minutes ago was asking me, like, like, how did you know other people were talking about this? And I swear I read something about it years ago and sort of filed it in the back of my head. And for whatever reason, it seems like like we're the only ones talking about it. But it is hitting a nerve. Quite a few people are, are coming forward. So let's talk about your experience. Do you have to lay any background, or you want to just go right into to what happened? Or Well, when I was young, I used to have sleep paralysis a lot. And there'd be other times when I'd have where I had a lot of weird experiences along those same lines. Um, and I just kind of stopped for a long time. And I didn't realize it until recently, but that same kind of sharp reality, sort of almost realer than real kind of state where you think you're awake and you can feel like the heat of flames and read text and read it again and it's the same and you can see your hands and it doesn't make you feel like you're in a dream. None of the things that they tell you to do to try and lucid dream work in this whatever it is. I didn't realize it until recently when it was, well, last week I had another one of those experiences and talking about this having had that still fresh in my mind, I realized that it's the same whatever it is. Like, it's the same state. It feels the same. It has, like, the same, for lack of a better term, flavor to it. So that's the kind of weird world that it happened in. So I went to bed as normal. I had a dream. I don't remember what the dream was. I woke up. And I'm in a different version of my apartment. And it's like twice as big as... It's it's a studio apartment, so it's like a big rectangle. And then there's like an area where the, like the wall is and there's a bathroom. So like if you imagine a giant rectangle and then like a square in the corner, that's the bathroom. And that's my apartment. And on the opposite side of the wall in the big open area is an area that's the kitchen. Well, in this alternate version, it was like twice the size. Instead of the kitchen being there there was just bookshelves and the kitchen was moved to be in the pathway to walking to the bathroom. So normally like there's just a wall that like comes out from the wall that's parallel to the front door and like that air that little, you know, corner is effectively the kitchen. There's just like all of a sudden the carpet becomes tile and there's all the typical kitchen stuff. In this bubble reality for lack of a better term that was moved to be in the pathway to my bathroom. So, like, there was the same, like, wall sticking out, but it was longer, 
and there was uh, the kitchen there. I'm trying to set the scene <laughs> because sure. it becomes important. It becomes important because basically it it was my apartment in every way except for like just small details that just it was like weirdly off in just the strangest ways. And I'm like half asleep. I wake up and I'm looking around, like trying to get my bearings, a little bit confused. And all of a sudden the front door opens and, well, Flannel Man walks in. Blue jeans, red flannel shirt, beard, white guy. Um, looks pretty young. Brown hair, brown beard. Just walks in. Walks straight past me. Doesn't even know, look in my direction. I don't even think he realized I was up. Like I think he thought I was asleep or something. I don't. I don't know. Walks past me. Goes into the little kitchen area. Opens up my fridge and my freezer and starts rummaging through my food. And at this point, I'm like, I just become very visceral. Like there's no words going through my head at this point. Like it's it's all just like visceral responses, like emotional responses. And I just I get really angry and irritated, and I'm I'm just angry and irritated, and I feel invaded. That word specifically stuck in my mind when I woke up from it. But we'll get to that. And I sit up in the bed and I go to open my mouth to yell at him for being in my apartment and like tell him off. He looks up over the the freezer door, which is sticking around the corner of the wall, and just looks directly at me. And at this moment, I freeze and I'm not able to move. Now, whether or not he was he did it to me, or whether it was my flight fighter freeze response, because I tend towards the freeze side of things when I get scared. I'm not sure, but at that point, I woke up with a start, and so I woke up from one dream into this bubble reality, whatever it is, and then woke up again into regular reality, and I remember everything seemed a lot more blurry and dim, and mind you, I have to wear glasses, so when I sleep, I don't obviously don't have my glasses on, so everything was blurry and stuff, but in the bubble reality, everything was sharp as as day and when i normally sleep dreams kind of have that like fuzziness to them that like sort of unreality fuzzy around the edges kind of thing it wasn't like that in that whatever it was (laughs) so i woke up and i couldn't shake like the only word that came to my mind was just invaded that like was stuck in my head and i could not shake this feeling that i had you know my home had been invaded and I wasn't able to relax until I got up physically and went and checked and made sure the door was locked. It was. And, like, checked around the apartment and made sure, like, nothing had been disturbed or anything. <laughs> Eventually, I relaxed enough to go back to sleep. But it was just the weirdest thing. I don't really know what else to say about it. Did he have a particular look in his face when he looked at you? Startled. I would describe startled and also irritated. Like like he was caught, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Like he was caught in the act of something he wasn't supposed to be doing. Like that was that was what I felt like his response was. Like, oh crap, how does she know I'm here? Startled and irritated and also like somewhat... Well, like, you know, exactly what you said. Like if you had, you know, if you'd caught someone trying to rob you or something, they'd be like, you know, angry, but also startled, but also, you know ready to attack you if they felt the need. Sure, yeah. That's interesting, though. 
The, the, well, the two things, a lot of people report with various entities that the entities seem surprised that you can see them sometimes. At least that's the impression people get. The other thing, when you say you felt invaded, I mean, that's the just the overall feeling I took from my so-called abduction experiences. So do you have an opinion as to what Flannel Man may be? I have no idea. I have not the foggiest clue. It was just this weird thing that happened to me. <laughs> There's an occult author who I am friends with on Facebook who posted the other day. He said that he saw a god, and I want to say, I'm, I'm asking you about this because I know you know a lot more about the uh, Sumerian and, and Babylonian deities than, than I do, but I want to say he said it was one of those deities. And he said it was a bearded deity, but then he went and described Flannel Man. He said, I saw a manifestation of this deity, whatever it was, in my house. And he said, but he was wearing a red flannel shirt. So uh, do, do you know which what that could have been, which deity he, he could have been talking about? That's a lot of different. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much all of the male deities in, in the Mesopotamian pantheon have beards. Okay, all right, yeah. So I don't remember the specific <laughs> one. But it was so, to me, it was so interesting. I was like, oh, I, I've been, I wanted to have one for a, another topic. And I, we've just, our schedules haven't been linked up. So I, I know there's no way I could get him one for that. But, uh, he, you know, in, in no way did he mention Flannel Man. He just mentioned this bearded god and then went and described that he's like, but he was wearing a red flannel shirt and, and blue pants. It's like, oh, it's a Flannel Man. He, he's describing Flannel Man. But It's interesting that this person would attach Flannel Man to the Mesopotamian deities considering my own... Proclivity? <laughs> sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> to the Mesopotamian deities, and I've been working through initiations through basically the Babylonian version of the Kabbalah, and, you know, I've been meeting some of these deities face-to-face, but quite a few of the spheres that I've gone through, they've just kind of given me lessons through synchronicities and not really had face-to-face contact, but, you know, now that you mentioned I'm wondering if maybe... Maybe that was supposed to be face-to-face contact, and I just didn't recognize them. It would be really interesting. I mean, obviously, you know, most of the people I'm talking to are you know, don't have that background or or, or that set of of knowledge or, or interest, even. But yeah. uh, but who knows? I mean, it's you know, it's you know, one of many possible answers, and, and maybe maybe it manifests as that for some people. I want to thank you, Vanessa, for telling your Flannel Man story, and we're going to have you back on at some point to talk magic, uh, maybe with oh, that author okay. in question, if I get him lined well, that'd up. Be, that'd be really cool. Thanks. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, 
planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hello, Allison. Hi. Welcome back to Strange Familiars. Thanks for having me. (laughs) (laughs) The podcast you hear constantly being made and recorded in all its forms. Flannel Man. Now, you didn't know that this was a thing either until I told you. No. No, not at all. I had read, and I don't remember where it was. This is years ago. Mm -hmm. This is years ago. I want to say this is back when we were maybe at the old house. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, we were reading Mothman prophecies and stuff. Yeah. I came across it at some point during that time. And I think I didn't tell you because I didn't want to scare you. That yeah, you... because you knew I already had that experience. And, yeah, because yeah. I didn't want to necessarily tell you that, that you had seen an entity that other people were seeing. And yeah. I knew it wasn't still pretty fresh at that point. Yeah, although at this point I realized it must be like 20 years ago at least. Yeah. I think there's a couple of things we should like lay down as as the background to this experience. What like what I was listening to at the time, or like I specifically well, even, remember you, every part of it because it was so. Well, even before that, do you remember where we were before it? Like that day. That that evening. No, I don't. Okay, so I remember specifically. I thought this may have played into it. We were at Pedro's house, mm-hmm. and he was the first person. You were there. Mm-hmm. I think he was the first person other than you that I ever told about my abduction experiences. And I told him that night. Oh, really? I don't have that recollection. Yes. Because I, re- I remember thinking at the time, like, like somehow that wove into all this. Oh, yeah. So or maybe, we I, came back from his house and that's and we went to sleep in your old bedroom at your parents' house. Yeah. I, at the time, and yet yeah, having re-listened to it tonight, chalk it up about 95% to what we were listening to. So and I don't know why we thought that this was good bedtime listening music or something that was going to be calming to help people go to sleep. It isn't. It's like the polar opposite of that. Nurse with Wound, Thunder Perfect Mind. That was the album we put on as we went off to sleep. It's not a sleep album. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dark record. It's abrasive and visceral. and The song in question had this drumming this and... It's interesting. You were pointing out it's almost like a trance-like. Yeah, like the the first song has a beat that, to me, it's almost unlistenable because it there's something about it that goes against the natural like rhythm of your heart. It's almost like the opposite of a binaural beat. Mm-hmm. It's not comforting. It's it's almost abrasive. And then the second one almost has like more of like a rhythmic tribal drumming, for lack of a a better term. Right, which is a 
you know, a shamanic kind of journey. Yeah, thing, yeah, I, I get that. And I specifically remember that. And that's what I was kind of listening for tonight when I listened to it again. I was like, because the first one, I was like, well, this is scary. This could have done it. This could have been the song. And then it got to the second song, Colder Still. And I was like, this is it. This is when it happened. So I wonder if I was, if we weren't asleep very long when this happened. Like, Well, they're what, long songs. Yeah. So. One of the other things could have jarred me. Right. But but definitely has that sort of like trance-like drumming. Yeah, yeah. So if you are going to dredge up an archetype, that I feel like that would be a good song. <laughs> yeah, like like that's the way into your subconscious mm-hmm. for a lot of people. I saw a woman, I, I don't think it was Tuvan, I think it was, she gave a TED Talk, and it was some, either in Mongolia or Tuva or eastern siberia somewhere she went to see some kind of shamanic thing and she was sort of transported into trance and and the shamans recognized her being able to do this and they Mm -hmm. they said you have to you have to come do this and and this this woman did this ted talk she's a a woman from the from the west i Mm -hmm. think she was british maybe or something they wanted her to stay for years and you know (laughs) give up years of her life but she made a deal with him she said i'll come occasionally like like for half a year every mm-hmm. year or something like this but she said the drumming was such a big part of it of getting her into that state and they actually did i want to say mris or ct scans of, of her mm-hmm. brain while she was in the trance states and she, it's not it's not something she made up her brain actually changed as she went into these states which is really interesting Maybe they are doing more scientific research with the people like experiencing asmr under MRI. So ASMR. Is uh, autonomous sensory meridian response. And this is something that you have. Yes. that's I've always had this since I was a kid too, which I just thought it was some weird thing that I had until like a few years ago when. Well, you thought it was something everybody had. Well, yeah. At first I thought it was something everybody had. And then would... I asked you about it and you were like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you told me, you asked me like, do, do you, does this happen to you when you, when you watch a. QVC. Yeah, yeah. I used to say, like, well, you don't just watch QVC sometimes just because of the way that people talk to you. <laughs> yeah, I was like, like, no. No, I don't think I, I get that. <laughs> that's an interesting thing. And that's close to, like they say, isn't it, like close to uh, synesthesia as well. Yeah, they, they do say that a lot of people who experience synesthesia also experience ASMR. That's one of the kind of commonalities of it. Interesting. But I feel like that is very close to being like a trance-like state because it really, it's like this super relaxation to the point where like my eyes roll back in my head and I just really, I'm like. Oh, I've seen it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I jokingly say that you're getting stoned watching your. your... Watching people with lint rollers and. (laughs) Whatever it is. (laughs) No, that's interesting, though. And the drumming trance thing is interesting. Mm-hmm. So you listened to it tonight for the first time since, since that. Yes, since I would never then. listen to it again because I was so scared of it. Just in preparation for the interview. Yeah, I thought yeah. I'd relive it and see if I could bring up some flannel feelings. <laughs> Which, I mean, it was the 90s, so maybe <laughs> maybe this was like a grunge archetype come to life. <laughs> it's the grunge archetype. The grunge archetype. <laughs> <laughs> before we get into flannel man should we talk about this bedroom of yours 
I think that has a lot to do with it too, because I've always had nightmares in that room, and it is the reason why to this day, as a middle-aged woman, I sleep with a light on. You hated that room. I hated that room. This is your bedroom when you grew up. Yeah, my childhood bedroom. I hated. <laughs> it scared me. Everything about it was scary. It wasn't an exceptionally scary-looking room, but to me, it was very scary. It's an odd-shaped room. Yeah. It has uh, odd angles to it. Yeah. It's angled ceilings, and it's not its not a rectangular room. No. It's more like, like odd, a... With an odd dormer, and then odd, yeah. Like... And there's a four doors. There's four yeah. doors in this room. Yeah. One that went to your sister's room, one that went to the hallway. One to an attic. One to an room, attic. And one to a little, like, crawl space that... Yeah. Yeah. And then there was a weird sort of area that kind of went towards a window to the front of the house. Mm-hmm. And that's where the dogs were. Right. So you you had, was this multiple dreams when you were little in this room or? Yes. Every night, as soon as the, the lights would go out, I was convinced that dogs were coming out from behind this particular closet, like a metal, an old metal closet, like freestanding armoire kind of thing. Demon dogs. Demon dogs, yeah. In my mind, they were demon dogs. They had red eyes and big teeth, and they're coming to get me. Which is interesting. The red eyes is interesting, seeing as how many entities people describe have have red eyes. Yeah, and I don't know if it's just red eyes because you have to be able to recognize them at night, you know? Mm-hmm. Those would be the two defining things that, like a an all-black devil dog, you would see, potentially, right? If there's a little, just a little bit of light left. That would be what you would see, right? Yeah, but I mean, how old were you when you were coming up with this? Mm. Some of my first memories of that room are that. So very, very young. Oh, yeah. And I always begged to have the light on. And my parents thought it was something that I I would grow out of. And then eventually they would just sort of acquiesce and just let me have the light on because really, what does it matter? (laughs) Now, for a while, when we were sleeping together, you were letting me turn the light out. This night was the light out, or I, the light was out. The light was out this night. Mm-hmm. Okay, which so. was a big mistake. <laughs> Nurse with wound and the light out. I don't know what I was thinking. I was pretty much asking for it. <laughs> I should have just laid out food for the devil dogs. <laughs> so we were on the floor. Yeah, because I slept on the floor because you can't trust being on a bed because you don't know what's underneath it. So I always slept on the floor. Devil dogs could be right under that. They bed. could be right under the bed. So I convinced you to sleep on the floor with me. <laughs> Beside your stereo. Mm-hmm. I remember we fell off to sleep. And I remember waking up to you screaming. Yeah. And from my memory, the thing that almost disturbed me most is I just started saying, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, before I even opened my eyes mm-hmm. to check what you were screaming about. Yeah. And that upset me very much later. I remember thinking, well, don't don't just tell someone it's okay. <laughs> don't it, jump to conclusions. It, it, there could have been something it wrong. It might not be okay. So what did you see? Well, in my memory, I had a, a bad dream. And upon waking from the bad dream, I looked at my feet and right at my where our feet were there was a man standing there who looked like a lumberjack holding an axe he was holding an axe yeah see i I don't know if other people have reported the axe and maybe just in retrospect i've added that i don't but it was like a lumberjack type of figure 
red flannel shirt? Yeah, a red flannel shirt, yeah. You said like Brawny Man. Yeah, right? like the Brawny Man was like the... Bearded? Mm-hmm. Tall. Yeah, in my mind, and I don't know if it was just the angle, but it was, it seemed disproportionate. Like huge. Yeah. Interesting. So did you look down and see feet or boots first and then your eyes went up? No, it was just like this impose. I remember looking up. I didn't look down at like feet or anything. I looked up and saw a figure staring at me. Standing right at our feet. Mm -hmm. And I must have screamed so loud. It wasn't like a, like a little bit like a kind of thing. It must, I must have screamed so loud. I remember my mom coming over. Your mom and your dad came in and turned the light on. To check on us. Because I remember the light being on, but if you said the light was off, I I totally believe you. I think they they hit the light on. Yeah, and they said, what's wrong? What's wrong? Yeah. Because I must have screamed so loud that. Oh, you screamed loud. I remember that. It was loud. And in my mind, I had had a bad dream about something totally unrelated. And it was upon waking that I saw the figure. I think it they might have been all one and the same. I think I might have just kind of jolted awake for some other reason and in that sort of in-between hypnagogic state right. saw that because of Nurse with Wound. <laughs> <laughs> it's, all, it's all Nurse with Wound. I can even fault. tell. I was listening to it tonight. It was the second song. It has a really very kind of like rhythmic beat to it and then there's like this laughing in the background and like all of a sudden these sort of abrasive sounds will go off which is sort of like cut through even a standard beat it's it's probably the scariest thing i could have chosen to listen to it's my favorite nurse with (laughs) it it, it really is (laughs) i love that record for people if you want to check it out it's nurse with wound thunder perfect mind this really neat cover on it. It's a painting. looks like a twisted kind of Goya painting. Mm-hmm. I, I, I always really, really liked that album. That was my, my favorite Nurse With Wound album. We can't play it because we don't have the rights to it. Yeah, it would be good because it would be helpful to... It would be nice to be able to, to play it. But so Steve Stapleton, Nurse With Wound, if you're listening, <laughs> we'd like to have the rights to play your music on the podcast. If not, I will continue to play Stone Breath. So you think this was a hypnagogic state? Yes, and I think for my own sanity's sake, I would like to think that that's what all the rest of the things that I experienced in that room were Sure. as a kid. Does it figure into your opinion at all that other people have seen? I mean, it's a pretty specific thing. Mm-hmm. Here we have, just on this podcast alone, three people who have seen a very specific thing, a very specific and the thing that's interesting to me is that in its own right, it's not a very scary image. Like no. right, like a lumberjack, to me, the implications of what a lumberjack is, like the, the hewer, the person that that's taking things down, taking down those things that are very grounded. Mm-hmm. It's just hacking through things that are grounded. You know, like the symbolic parts of it are interesting to me. Sure, yeah. Well, that that's kind of why I wanted to, to get your opinion. Someone maybe like me might mm-hmm. say this is an actual entity in some way that, that people are seeing. You are more like this is a symbol, like a Jungian kind of thing that, that people are yeah, manifesting. I don't, I, don't, I don't think that it's so out of the ordinary. The general experience in life is not that different from one person to the next that similar experiences can be had. This isn't that out of the realm of possibility. Right. And it's, it isn't so specific that 
there would have to be some sort of connection between the two people. Yeah, to me, but they're not, I mean, there are other kinds of flannel, you know, there are, there are green flannel, there are blue flannel, and there are people are red flannel. And maybe that's part of popular culture in the, in the way that they, they say that a lot of people who say they experience synesthesia, the way that their alphabet coincides, coincides with those magnetic letters True. that a lot of us had as a kid. True. I don't know. I'm a light sleeper. Yeah. I've never been a deep sleeper. I think I probably bounce in and out of wakefulness and sleep a lot. Yeah. Which I think makes you more prone to that. I'm also a, a pretty good lucid dreamer. Yeah, yeah. So I think that combination of light sleeping and skepticism has kept me. <laughs> <laughs> they say that aids in lucid dreaming, the skepticism. Yeah, because I, a lot of times I encounter situations in dreams that are just absurd and I realize that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whereas I'm like just... So this could totally be happening. I'm just ready to believe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it's sort of a, a Jungian archetype is f a fair assessment of, of your analysis. I, yeah, I think so. I, I like I like to think that you can make your symbols real. I mean, that's probably the closest to to non skepticism that I get. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to think what the commonality is between all these these different lumberjack man sightings, flannel man sightings. I think in the same way that people have commonalities in dreams, like why is it for 10 years I had dreams that my teeth and my jaw were coming out yeah. and other people have that. I mean, that sure. to me, that's more specific. And I think it's a very similar thing. Like if you think of the symbolic nature of it, that things at their very roots are being cut down. I think it's just a sign of anxiety, insecurity. Did you ever hear me talking with Vanessa? No, I specifically didn't listen because I didn't want my story to be influenced by oh, it. Okay. I told her a story about there's a, an occult writer I'm friends with on Facebook and he was talking about a certain Mesopotamian deity. And he says, oh, I, I, this bearded deity manifested and I saw him. And then he went on to describe Flannel Man. Now, this guy's in the UK. To him, this was a bearded deity that manifested. But then he described Flannel Man. He said, he was wearing a, but he was wearing a red flannel shirt and blue jeans. <laughs> wow. Which, to me, I thought, well, this must be, you know, North America and Canada. Mm -hmm. Like the lumberjack yeah. thing. Like this must be... Uh, but there's him. And then I was contacted by another woman. She was a listener in Europe who said that she knew someone who was having repeated flannel man experiences, too. So the fact that it's. To me, it would be an easier Jungian stereotype in America, especially with like Paul Bunyan and, mm -hmm. and that whole. Yeah. Know, yeah. It's kind of part of the um, the American experience. Right. Yeah. This sort of uh, hardworking manifest yeah. destiny kind of, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It, it does seem sort of like part of the um, the american unconscious dream <laughs> right yeah but the it, when these people are popping up in europe it, and i'll be interested now that we're doing a whole show on final man i think mm -hmm. we should get uh, more people coming that's forward. an interesting angle i hadn't thought about that because i always talk about so much of my life and, and people around here being influenced by their pennsylvania dutch i.e german upbringing and how much that unconsciously affects every aspect of, of how they conduct their lives. I mean, when you think about it, now I'm even dreaming about someone who's like 
hardworking and even in their deity state <laughs> is trying to scare me with their hard work. <laughs> and I did not see Flavelman. I was my eyes didn't open until yeah, yeah, after I don't the think scream. I don't think you would have seen him. See, I wonder. Yeah. I wonder. I don't think so. Now you're saying I, I would have seen nothing, but I, I half wonder if I would have woken up if I would have seen a gray standing there at the same time you saw well, I think if it was something that was going to scare me, it would have just been what I've always seen there. The dogs. The dogs, yeah. While it scared me because there shouldn't be a man with an axe or a lumberjack in your room in the middle of the night when you don't expect him to be there, I felt like that part was the scary part, but I didn't feel like he was there to kill us. It wasn't like that. I felt like the scary part was that he had just sort of arrived out of time in space and was just there. And that was the part that was unnerving to me. Before you mentioned that you almost felt like it was reacting like it was caught. Or that it was just as confused about its placement as I was about it. So that, that is the case. Yeah. It was like, what's going on? Yeah, and I don't know if it was caught right before it was going to chop my head off or just caught out of time and space. Could you see much of the face? I think in retrospect, I've just sort of appropriated it as sort of like a brawny looking guy. Mm -hmm. Or Yukon Cornelius kind of. <laughs> right. That's like, in my mind, he was sort of like, he, it was much, probably more Yukon Cornelius than. <laughs> so, so like a heavier beard. Yeah, yeah, maybe even reddish, which you wouldn't have been able to see in the dark in any capacity, you know. Well, I mean, you could well, you're get not supposed to see any lumberjacks in the dark. But. Get a hint of it. So it was more of a feeling like this thing was kind of caught. Yeah, I don't know that I would use the term caught, but that makes sense. Yeah. I'm saying that because cause you didn't listen to Vanessa's thing, and that's exactly what she described. I didn't listen to that at all because I didn't want to be influenced she by it. She said she watched him walk into her apartment go to her refrigerator, start looking through her refrigerator, and then she said she sat up in bed, and it looked, I think, over the freezer door or around uh -huh. the freezer door, and she said he looked caught, like, surprised. Like, how are you huh. seeing me kind of thing. Oh, that's weird. Oh. That's interesting. Yeah, I'd like to explore the, the other things that I read about hypnagogic hallucinations at some point as well. Well, we, let's just talk about it. Okay. So you said... So I was reading about people's propensity for hypnagogic hallucinations because I thought, well, maybe there's something in that that makes me more prone to that or something. Or if there's something else that causes that, maybe a, a way in which people sleep. And I read that one of the reasons that people experience them is some neurological disorders, including lesions on the brain. Which I have. Yeah. And I, have, and which, I have multiple sclerosis, which is basically multiple scars, mm -hmm. lesions on the brain. That's what, what the, the disease is. And this would have been about the time that you probably were experiencing, but not knowing some of my your, very first symptoms. Very first I had symptoms. weird neuropathies. Mm -hmm. We thought Bell's palsy at one point. Mm -hmm. My hand would go numb for like a month and just sort of gradually come back tips of my fingers would go numb my elbow would go numb just weird stuff like that half my face went numb that's when we thought i had bell's palsy just these odd neuropathies that you know later on i got an ms diagnosis and we know now yeah it all made sense that's but... what it is but that's very interesting that is one of the 
indicators of sleep paralysis. Was it sleep paralysis and hypnagogy? Or, or just... Yeah, sleep paralysis and hypnagogic hallucinations. Which I have been prone to most of my adult life, on and off. Not as bad I mean, as it you, once was. So. You wonder with the placement of the the lesions, one specific lesion could have been placed in an area that really affected sleep. You know? And here, here's a weird thing. One of my theories as to why I stopped experiencing the stuff with the grays mm-hmm. was that I got MS and they didn't want me. Oh, you weren't a good subject anymore. Yeah. Damaged goods. Yeah, whatever it was. Uh-huh. Like they like they just they didn't want me anymore. Because that's about, I mean, really, when I got the diagnosis uh-huh. is about the time I had my last, right around that time was when uh-huh. I had my last sort of uh, uh, quote-unquote abduction uh-huh. experience. A little bit, maybe a little bit before the diagnosis, I, I think, or it was either a little bit before or a little bit after. I forget which, but so right, right around that time was. And I always like part of me has always wondered, were they done with me because this guy's got MS? We don't, we don't, we don't need him. Or were they there entirely because of the MS? And, yeah, when there, yeah. There's, there's another question. To me, that's comforting. I don't know if it's comforting to you. What that they're there because of the MS? Yeah, that they're. I don't know. That, I don't know that, that maybe, that's comforting. Not comforting, but to me, some sort of explanation. And like I said, I specifically remember describing that the one abduction experience in particular with the entities leaning over me. Mm-hmm. And then until I read elsewhere that other people had seen this, mm-hmm. this whatever it was, I thought it was... I had entirely kind of influenced your your dream mm-hmm. state kind of with that story. It's interesting, too, kind of the placement of the entity, for lack of a better word. Like, it wasn't something that was between us or beside you or beside me or it right behind been, me. Like, we were in a little sort of... Like a made-up Like area. a cubby kind yeah. of there. There couldn't have been any other place. I mean, unless it was elsewhere in the room. Yeah. You know, but yeah, and I didn't see. It wasn't like someone I saw off to the side in shadow. It was like at our feet, right at my feet. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Never saw him since. Please don't let me hear it. See him tonight. <laughs> I'm so worried. <laughs> I I feel like I just deserve some really nice dreams tonight. But... <laughs> you you have never seen him like since. No, it was a one-time thing. Have you had other hypnagogic experiences, to your knowledge? I don't think so, and I don't. And I, the way that I had bad dreams as a child is different than the way that I have bad dreams as an adult. So, all right. Well, thank you, Allison. It's good, oh, no good to have you back on. We're going to do some uh, some shows together coming up. We have some plans. And hopefully my voice will sound more like yeah, it. Yeah, just... you can tell both of our voices are a little, still a little... The uh, unending winter sickness. Yeah, the, she didn't get the full flu, but you got a little cold, and me and the kids got the flu, and, and we're both coming out of it, so forgive our less than perfect voices tonight. Come on, spring. <laughs> All right, Allison, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, thanks. If you've seen this Flannel Man entity, please contact us. We'd love to hear your stories. 
Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts. Music, books, art, podcasts, and more. DarkHollerArts.com Intro and background music is by Stonebreath. See Stonebreath.Bandcamp.com for more. We're going to end the show with a Stonebreath cover of one of Tom Rapp's songs from Pearls Before Swine.
Jesus Christus Daras Blut, da stoppen die Schmerzen, da stoppen das Blut. It'll stop the pain and the blood. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.